Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Well, today is the last message of our vision series. And uh, our vision, we want to put it on the board there. We know the message title, Jesus is a breaker of man-made barriers. Jesus is a breaker of man-made barriers. And that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, it's, 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 it's part of the vision of the house of God, regardless of what house you, you'll be in. It should be a part of your house, your individual house. It should be your, your house, your family house, uh, the house of God. It should be the entire body of Christ. Jesus is a breaker of barriers, man-made barriers. Not just barriers, because... Uh, Jesus is not going to break barriers that God put in place. But man-made barriers, he's going to break. Let's talk about that today. Let's look, uh, look just a review of our vision. If we'll put that on, on the screen, please. Our vision is to be connected. We talked about being connected. We talked about being connected to God. It's very important to be connected to God. It's very important to be connected to his body, be connected to, the, uh, to a ministry, and to the world. So, if I ask you your vision, anybody ask your vision is to be connected to God, to the body, to a ministry, and to the world. And we talked about that, and it's, it's very, very specific in Scripture. And I was excited when I was uh, reading and learning about how to put this to you as far as our vision is concerned about being connected to the body and to the ministry, to a ministry, because we talked about Ephesians 4, you remember 16, where it says that uh, in whom, meaning in Jesus Christ, the whole body, and it skipped down, causes growth of the body. Uh, we talked about that, and that meant, meant to me that I can't grow without you. It's just it's impossible for me to grow, really, the way God wants me to grow without being a part of the body, because the body causes the body to grow. It was in Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse 16. Also, using your gifts was very important because some people don't know their gifts. Some people uh, don't want to use their gifts or whatever the situation may be. But we can't grow either if we're not using our gifts. If, if, if we're not each using our gifts, because that's what it says in, in Ephesians again, 4, verse 16. It says, uh, through whom, meaning Christ, in whom the whole body, we know causes the growth of the body, but it says that, the whole body being fitted and held together, being fitted and held together like, like our joints we talked about, by which every joint supplies. So it means by everybody in the body of Christ is supplying their particular gift according to the effectual working of each individual part, meaning that you have to really develop your gifts I have to, I'm still working on my, my, my gifts of encouragement, my gifts of, of teaching, my gifts of pastoring, shepherding. I'm, I'm working on those because God wants us to be very skillful. He wants musicians to be skillful when they play an the instrument. He wants singers to be skillful. That's because God is a God of excellence. He is. Everything that God made is excellent. He didn't, he didn't, there's no junk in this in, in this universe, it just isn't. You know, you, know, you just find out, so, well, why is my room so messy? I keep my room messy or whatever. Why, why, why? God is not like that. And the stars not hanging all over everywhere, where, you know, just, you don't know, it might fall. It's not like that. Is it? No. God is a God of order and design and, and, and it's excellent. So when he gives us gifts, those gifts are supposed to be used for excellency. They are. This means according to the effectual verb, working part, causes the growth. So we have to do that, and we talked about that. And last week we talked about being connected to the world, and we said what it was not, and we said what it was. And so that's what we want to uh, end with our vision. That's the vision. Now let's go a little further with that. Within that vision that I gave you, that God gave us, that within that vision is what we want to talk about today. 
God is a breaker of man-made barriers. He is. Let's see it. Let's look in Revelations. Let's start there. Uh, Chapter 5. And I'm going to start in verse 1 and then skip down a little bit. He says that, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book, and book means a a stroll, written inside and on the back. So we got a stroll and a seal with seven seals. Let's go to verse 8. Now now we see that it's a book. And it says that when he had taken the book or the stroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from Every tribe, a tribe is a, is, a, is a race of people, a kindred of people, okay, descended from the same ancestor. From every tribe, it says, and tongue, people who speak in the same language, and people and nation. So from every tribe, from every tongue, from every people and every nation, God has purchased people. That's exciting, isn't it? That's exciting. Now, that is, gives me a picture. It gives me a picture of what it's like in heaven. It gives me a picture of what God is doing on the earth. It gives me a picture of what uh, it's going to be like when we uh, gather together there, there are not going to be barriers that's put up between nations, between tongues, between tribes, between people. There are not going to be barriers that's up. That's what that tells me. I don't know what it tells you, but that's what it tells me. Now, so that, that, that's, that's pretty good. That, that gives me... Some indication because this is a revelation of what Jesus says the body of Christ is like. Let's go over to chapter 7 of the same revelations, chapter 7, and we want to look in uh, verse 9. Let's start there. It says that after these things I looked and behold a great multitude. It just didn't say a multitude. A great multitude which no one could count. No one. Now, we're pretty intelligent. Most of us can count up to 100, and and probably we can go a little further, and we can keep going, we can keep going, we can keep going. When we get past the trillions, uh, I don't know what's the next thing. What's the next thing after trillions? Quadrillion? Okay, all right. We got a small one here. Praise God, you know. He said, no, that that means it's got to be more than that, that, right? Because, Because somebody can count. A tri-trillion, right? So that means that well, how many is it then if no one can count them? It says from every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Woo! My goodness gracious. Do you hear what, what he's talking about here? He's saying, that, he's saying that there is no segregation in heaven. Can we say amen? There's no segregation. And we're not going to have, you know, forced busing in, in, in heaven where you bust this tribe over, you know, for the, for the, for the congregational meeting. No. Uh-uh. This is, this is God giving us a picture of what heaven is like and is standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches within their Hands, and they were they, they they just cried out 
with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we see every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people, all, all this is standing there, and they are, are before God, before Jesus Christ, and they, they are just crying out and just talking about glory and worthy as the Lamb of God. That's a marvelous, that's a marvelous picture. Marvelous picture. Well, have you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer and said, Thou will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Are we just are praying that just because it's written and just because it, well, I memorized this when I was little, so I know so but I know I'm supposed to pray this, but I don't know what it really means. I'm really I hope that it's not gonna be on earth like it is in heaven. Because after all, I don't want if, you know, well, I don't think we can get the Democrats and the Republicans together. Come on, I mean, you know, uh, I don't believe. If, if we're praying, if everybody's praying, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I wonder, does God want all the segregations going on on Sunday morning? I wonder, does he want that because we're saying that, wait a minute, we are of this tongue, so therefore, I want to be just with my Spanish brothers and sisters. I want to be with just my Korean brothers and sisters. I want to be with just my, you know, German-speaking brothers and sisters. I want to be, come on now, does he want that? If it, in heaven, is it going to be that? Not from what we read it's not going to be that way. So I believe that the vision of God for his body within any vision that any church would have. You can simplify so love God, love people, love the world. But you would know we can't love the world not that way because the love of the world is you can't love God. But regardless of what the vision is, how simple it is, it's still going to have within it breaking barriers is going to have it. Jesus is a barrier breaker. He breaks barriers. So it can't be that. So I wonder then God, when, when, when I came to this church, I said, well, this is, this is okay. I started finding out as I started reading the scripture and, and being taught and learned and all that stuff, I said, well, you know, I wanted to be in church in my house, in the house of God, where there are no barriers up. Because Jesus is a barrier breaker. I don't want to not uh, invite people over because they are of one tongue or one nationality or, or one race. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to be exposed to a lot of people, and I want my children to be exposed to a lot of different people because that's what I see in heaven. I don't want to make statements in my, in my, my house when looking at TV, looking at something, and say, well, this is this. They are this way. They are that way. This. We don't want to say they and, and, and them because there's no such thing as they and them. Is us. Is us. I don't care where you, how you want to, as my wife says, slice it or dice it. It's going to be Adam and Eve. Everybody came from Adam and Eve. And if you don't like that, then after the flood, everybody came from Noah, his wife, and his three sons, and their wife. Eight souls. Right? Everybody. The only reason we have different uh, nationalities, different tongues, different tribes is because Jesus said, replenish the earth. He scattered them in the Tower of Babel so they were all, all over the place. Right? He's the one who, who, who changed the language, didn't he? Okay? So that must be okay. 
It is okay because we see that every tongue, every tribe, every nation is here in heaven. But he does that in order to show us his variety, his diversity, and then he said, now, unify. Unify. Right? Unify. Isn't this time of year, well, the springtime of year, so beautiful when you see all the flowers come out? Oh, did you, have you driven down and see all the trees, these white and trees they're budding in, and the, and the, and the pink ones? And it looks so beautiful, don't it? All variety of things that God made. But he says, let's unify. God is a breaker of barriers. And so this church has to be the same way. We don't want to be all English-speaking, all German-speaking. We want to have different friends in there. Obviously, we, got to, we have to understand each other, right? But I believe that, that uh, most people can learn to communicate with one another in the same body. I believe it. I believe it. And when I was with uh, John Avazua, his, uh, he had uh, his, I guess, his niece, and, and, and they, they were here. He interpreted for me, but they understood some things that I said. Uh, you know, everybody understands a smile. You know that? Everybody. You can learn to communicate. I believe God wants it that way. Let's look at what God said. In Romans chapter 4. Let's go there. Because it's not what I say. It's what God says. In Romans chapter 4 verse 16. Let's go there. It says, For this reason it is by faith in order that it may be according to grace so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants not only to those who are of the law but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, speaking from Genesis chapter 17, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believes so that he might become the father of many nations according to as which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. So we know that Abraham's descendants are many, many, many nations, don't we? This is what God said. And that we know if we be, if we be Christ's, we are whose seed? Abraham's seed. Heirs to the promise, it says. That's in another scripture. It's very important for us to know that all of us, if we are of faith in Jesus Christ, we are uh, from Abraham. Now, let's go to see what Jesus did. We know what God said. What did Jesus do? Because he's our example. He's the head of the body. Let's look at that in, in, um, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Let's go to verse 1. It says that, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, now we, we have here that the Pharisees are trying to start trouble, as usual. They, they are trying to divide this thing on. Although Jesus himself was not even baptizing, but his disciples were baptizing. But in order to keep down the, all this what's going on, all this stuff, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. And he passed, and, and it says in verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, we know that from 
the historical reading and studying, we know that the Samaritans were hated by the Jews because the Samaritans, they figured, were, were a half-breed. They were, they were not real Jews. They were mixed in with heathen uh, from way back. They knew that. And the Samaritans wanted to say, well, we are just like you. They said, you're not just like us. And matter of fact, I don't like you. And matter of fact, if I got to go from Judea to Galilee, I'm not even coming through Samaria. I'm going to go around and go up north and then come crossover. I'm going to ignore Samaria. But how many know that Jesus is a breaker of man-made barriers? Jesus knew that it's going to come a time where he's going to have to demonstrate what he wants his disciples doing. This is just one instance we're talking about here. So he said, I got to pass through Samaria. I got to pass through Samaria. Why does he have to pass through Samaria? Okay, we'll go, but let's hope we don't see anybody when we go through. Let's hope we don't see anybody. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, you can imagine this was a lot of history going on, you know, in Jesus' mind here. This is, this is rich territory here. Jacob was there. Okay, it says, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, now, how does, how does Jesus get weary from in his journey? Because wasn't he God? But he was all man, wasn't he? As well as all God. So his body gets tired, doesn't it? So his body got tired. He said, okay. Look. Now, now, how many know that even though it says he was weary, how many know that he could have kept going if he wanted to, right? But he had, a, he had a purpose. See, vision gives you direction. It gives you a purpose. It also gives you perseverance. Because if I have a vision for something, I can, I can, I can keep at it. I can keep at it. I, can, I don't have to get tired and worry and give up because I have a vision that I'm not there yet. And so Jesus... He didn't go anywhere. He didn't say anything unless his father told him to say it and told him to go. So he has a vision. Okay, I got to, all nations. I got to break down these barrier walls, so let's go here. And then, okay, now, this is the spot. This is the spot. Okay, I'm tired in a way, but I'm a, I could go on. Let's sit down right here, right here. Sit down right here. By the well, let's sit down. Divine appointment, right? It says here that it, he was sitting Thus, by the well, it was about the sixth hour, and, and it's, it's noontime. Okay, so here, 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 here's what, what's happening. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, she, could, now she knows. She knows by his dress and by his and, 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 Probably complexion of things. She knows that, hey, this is a, this is a Jewish man here. Uh, she could say, you, you get up and get your own water. You ought to be getting me water. I'm a, I'm a lady. You ought to be getting me water. Right? She didn't say that, did she? He said, give me a drink. Why is he asking her for a drink? You said, well, he was thirsty. That's obvious. He was thirsty. I don't want I want you to I want you to glean from from what God has shown us here. Jesus he doesn't have to drink if he doesn't if if it's not called for drinking right now. Do you understand? He could be hungry. He doesn't have to eat just because he's hungry. Everything is directed. And that's what I want I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that, that as you are reaching out to people of different nationalities, different tongues, different races, different uh, people, I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to what he wants to tell you. Because 
every word is very important. When he tells you to say this is for a purpose. So he says, give me a drink. It's for a purpose. Now, then it gives us a little bit more information in the next verse. Normally, who would give him a drink? His disciples. His disciples. He would have sat down, his disciples were going over to the well and, and got a drink for him. But his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? Now, also, Jesus wouldn't be talking to a woman either. Out there by himself. So, he, you know, he's got two things here. She's a Samaritan she's a woman. For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. None. Zilch. Zoo. Goose egg. Okay? None with Samaritans. Now, we have, we, we, we have people now that don't want to have zilch. None dealings with, with people of some race and color and nationality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in the days and in and, and any present time, it's the same thing. There are some people in certain uh, countries, they don't want to have dealing with people of different religions. It, it's just segregation. Satan is the author of that. Jesus is a breaker of barriers. He's a breaker of barriers. Let's listen to what he said. Jesus answered, and he's answering now. What was the question? How is it you being a Jew asked me for, for a drink, being an I'm a Samaritan woman? So he's going to answer this question. Listen to how he answered. He could have said, look, God told me to come, and he wants me to break down some barriers. Jews normally don't talk to you, but I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you even though... Uh, you are hated by us. I'm, I'm going to talk to you. He didn't say that. He, matter of fact, did he really answer her question? This is what he said. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Oh, now he's introducing something here. He didn't say, I would have given you a drink of water. He says that if you knew who it was who was saying to you to give you a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Woo! Now, who knows what living water is? Right? If somebody said that to you, if somebody you would just sort of say, hey, I want to... Uh, a, a, a bottle of water. Do you want living water or do you want dead water? You know? Huh? No. That, that's about how it sounded to her. So, and now, see, every word that he's saying is directed to bring about a certain response because he's headed somewhere with this conversation. Okay. So she says to him, What's well, normal, sir? Now, let's go back a little bit. When she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, it went right over her head that he said something about living water, but he's a Jew. He, he, he's probably, he probably tired, been sunstroke. I mean, you know, no telling what he is. He's talking about some living water. That water's just dead as I, a donail. But he's probably just thinking that he could give me a drink. But he can't give me a drink because he doesn't have a bucket. He doesn't have a rope. He doesn't have nothing to drop the water down. How he going to give me a drink? Isn't that, what, isn't that what was said? She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. So you just can't drop a bucket with no rope in it. The bucket not going to come back. So you got to have a rope on this bucket. Okay, so, so he doesn't have that. So she said, the, the, the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Oh. Oh, okay. I'm glad you asked that, Samaritan. So she says that, 
Let's see whether he answers the question. You are not greater than our father Jacob, so she's still talking. Are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. So she said, we have a rich heritage here. We, you know, we're talking about, we talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This well was Jacob's well. He dug the well. He drank from the well. And you talking about some living water. You're not greater than they are, are you? And Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. I know that. That's why I come every day to get water. But then he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> For us to say something like that, it has to be God, isn't it? Because he, he's going somewhere with this thing, man. He's talking about the salvation of her soul, isn't he? He's he saying, hey, you know, the water you're drinking, you're going to you, you, you gonna get thirsty every day, every day. And, but I can give you water, but this water will be in a well in you. You don't have to come out here at noon when no women around, and, and so because because of you don't you don't want to be around other people. You don't have to come up here by yourself. This well will be in you, and this well will spring up into eternal life. Eternal life. Ooh. Okay. The woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water so that I <laughs> will not be thirsty." Not come all the way here to draw water. She's thinking not about eternal life, which she said. She's thinking in the natural, in the natural. You're going to put a well in me, and I don't have to come out here. I have to come out here all the time. It's a long way. I have to come out here. Man, give me this water. Put a well inside of me. That'll be good. I might make some money. Have other people draw well for me. Well, what I meant, my well, I don't know. He's not talking about that. He said to her, now, you would think Jesus can stay on the subject matter. You, you would think that, right? You would just think it. He can stay on the subject matter. Uh, he gets distracted sometimes. It might, you might seem to be. So he says, go call your husband and come here. What they had to do with give me this water? Huh? Think about it. What does that have to do with give me this water so that I have a well inside of me so that I would never thirst again? What does this have to do with go call your husband? Nothing, does it? Except it does have everything to do with where he's going. We just come and say why he came. The vision that he has that, that we are going somewhere now. I'm not saying idle words. We are going somewhere with this conversation. See, because in order for her to want this, in order for her to get, get, for him to get her to the next step, in order for to get her to where she really understands what he's talking about and understands who he is, he has to go to another level because she's staying in the natural. And he has to get her out of the natural into the spirit realm. How do you do that? He could have said, hey, Woman, I'm talking about eternal life. I'm talking about the salvation of your soul. I'm talking about when you die, going to heaven, be with Abraham, Isaac, I'm talking about being with him. Can't you understand that, woman? He could have said that. But Jesus doesn't try to make anybody seem like they are uh, insignificant or illiterate or something like that. He, He doesn't make anybody feel bad, does he? He doesn't make us feel bad, does he? You can't draw somebody to yourself if you're going to make them feel bad. So you're going to have to be, learn how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to say things to people that won't alienate them from you, from what you're talking about. So he, he, he changes to the spirit realm, not the subject, to the spirit realm. He says, 
go call your husband and come here. Now, where can we get information like that? Jesus had information like that. Do you think it was in the newspaper that this woman, you know, didn't have a husband? No. Where are you going to get the information from? The Holy Spirit. We have, we have God in us, don't we? He knows all things, doesn't he? And so we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit for him to, him to tell us what's going on. Then we can speak a word of prophecy, a prophetic word to the person. Do you understand these, these things are going on? It's happening now. You want to be open to what we call it, we call it uh, prophecy. We call it a prophetic word. We, we call that, and he, say, he says even in, in, in Corinthians, we should desire the spiritual thing, and in particular to prophesy. Yeah. Because you're not going to reach nations, people, tongues, and all these people, and, and, and not really be able to be sensitive, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, you might not even try, you might not be able to reach people of a different age group than you are. Yeah. Now, I can go up and, 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 and talk to a young person. I, I say, hey, do you remember back in the days we had eight tracks? <laughs> it's a eight tracks, what, you mean on the railroad tracks? You know what I'm saying? Man, I used, to, I used to, you know, type on a typewriter, you know. They said, on, on a who? They don't know nothing about that. Nothing about that. Do they? No. You're going to have to talk their language. So, so here, here's Jesus talking his language. So he says, that, go, 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 go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Isn't that great? She told the truth, didn't she? But she didn't want to be embarrassed. She could have told him the whole truth. Hey, I don't have a husband, but I have this man that's living with me, and I'm living in adultery. I'm living in fornication. Uh, But, see, she didn't say that, did she? She said, I don't have a husband. And he could if Jesus could have said, oh, okay, okay then, uh, you don't have to go get your husband then. Uh, just go get some of the town people then. No. See, he's going somewhere. He already knew when he asked that question what her situation was. So he says, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. Uh-oh, he's trying to embarrass her. Do you think he's trying to embarrass her? No, because we already know God is good. He doesn't embarrass him about it. So if you ever get a prophetic word or something that you think is from God and it's going to embarrass somebody, it's going to be negative against somebody, uh, thus says the Lord, all y'all going to burn up in hell and, they'll, and the fire and brimstone. That's not from God. That's not from God. Guarantee it. God doesn't do that, does he? He came to save the lost, didn't he? I've seen some people say, this is just say the Lord. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, my goodness great. That's why when, when people go give, give any, any words of encouragement, this is called words of encouragement, exhortation, comfort, oh, you know, that's, that's the definition of prophetic word. Then, they come up and they stand by me, and I'm going to ask them what they're going to say. Hey, what you going to say? What you gonna say? If, if I don't know them, see, if I know them, then I, then I know they're going not, they already been here long enough. They know that they're not coming with no crazy stuff, you know? Because, because I have to correct it if it is. I have to say, hey, that was not from God. God does not do that. Then it's an embarrassment to the person. So why would, you, why would I even allow that? It's going to cause embarrassment. So we don't do that. We don't have nobody stand up in the back and give something. And somebody over here said we don't have that. Because it's not in in order. We have a purpose for why we do things. So we can protect the body, right? Okay. 
Now, so he says, you have said correctly. You have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom now, whom you have now, is not your husband. This you have said truly. Now, why did he say it? You know, I told you he's moving it to a different level. He didn't, she doesn't understand his uh, eternal life, so there's no need to go there. So he's, he's taking it to what she understands. Listen to what she says. The woman said, hey, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now she's moved to the spirit realm, say. Oh, okay, yeah. See, that's why he said that. Because nobody, there's no way possible for, for him to know that. He's not from that village. He's not from there. He's a Jew. He's, he's coming through. The only way he's know that is that he must be a prophet. They can, they can see things. They, can, they know things from God. So the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship. In, now, what does our fathers worship in this mountain got to do with what I just told you? See, she's trying to, she's trying. Have you ever have done that to people? You, 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 you told these people and they try to tell you how much they know. That's what she's trying to. Our fathers worship in, in this mountain, and you and, and, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. I'm, you know, I'm just as good as you. Hey, you know, we in the spirit too. Oh, okay. So she he says, woman, leave me. The hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will be your be be where you worship the Father. You worship the Father, you don't know how. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. For salvation, salvation is the eternal life, you're talking about salvation, is from the Jews. What does he mean? Of course, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, you're talking about the Jewish people there. And Jesus came from, from that lineage, didn't he? Okay, it's just from the Jews because it is his people. But the hour is coming, and now is, and she thought she was a Jew, uh, you know, for partly, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah, that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Hmm. Okay, that's that's good. That's good. So Jesus, what is he going to say there? I who speak to you am he. Now, the he actually is not in Greek. The he is inserted in, in your Bible. It should have probably italic size he. But if it doesn't, it, 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 it's not in the Greek. He's actually saying, I who speak to you am. And if you take off who speak to you, because it's just defining, you know, I, I am. What did God says to, to, to um, Moses? I am. Tell, tell, who, who shall I say sent you? Just tell him, I am sent you. I am. He's telling, he's, he's telling her something. He's telling her something. At, th- at this point, his disciples came. And they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. You see? Yet, no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left. Her water pot, she didn't even, she didn't even, she came to get what? Water. She left the water pot and left the water and went into the city. So, so the purpose in which he was sent worked, didn't it? Everything he said worked because now she's not concerned about no natural water. Is that right? None. She left the water pot. That means she left the water too, and that means that I'm concerned now about this living water. 
that he's talking about. And I know he's a prophet. Why does she know he's a prophet? Why does she know he's talking about something greater than any uh, little, little water? Because this man has told me something that nobody could know. So the woman goes away. And she says, after she uh, goes into the city, she says to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I have done. This, this is not the Christ, is he? Now, she's learning something, is she? She's learning how to, how do I get their ears to stand up? How do I, how do I get their attention? First of all, I'm going to tell them that here's a, here's, here's a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Everything. Because th- these five husbands have been over, over, you know, had been over a number of years. Everything that I've done, uh, th- th- this man told me this thing. Could he be? Could he be? Just could he be the Christ? And we know the Samaritans, they're looking for Christ to come. They're looking for the Messiah to come. So they went out to the city, and they were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples heard, urging him, Rabbi, eat, eat, eat. Come on, we went to get the food, man, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Wow. Because he came to save what? The lost, didn't he? Lost souls. My goodness gracious, this is so good, I tell you, man. This is good. And, and, it, and it says that um, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Now, I believe that word is for us, too. I believe that I, I really truly believe that, that we should be saying the same thing, that my will, my food, is to do the will of him who sent me. We were all sent, according to the, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. He said, as you have sent me, so have I sent them. He said in, in another place, uh, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I think, 5.17 or somewhere, he says that uh, uh, we are new creatures, you know, and he says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to be uh, appealing to people as though we were uh, appealing for God that, that, that to be saved. So we have been given something to be going out, and that's our, our food. If we miss lunch, we just miss lunch. My goodness gracious. Food is, is we, can eat, is, we can eat this food anytime, can't we? She could, she could come and get water anytime, but she won't get that living water anytime. That living water came to her at a time where this is the day of salvation. She said, I'm not going to miss this. And see, so, and she, listen to what he said. Do not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest, because in the natural you know, you could say that, well, you know, we sold, and now four months later we're going to get a harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields of the world. In other words, that they are white for harvest. Do you know that God has many people in Lynchburg? Already he who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. It's not who is sows is important. It's not he who reaps important because we're all working together to bring forth God's increase. That's what we're all doing. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which, which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered their labor. Because there are many people, anybody who you, who, it's no need to get excited and not get excited, but there's no need to start bragging because I had, I, I saved five souls. I led ten people to the Lord. You know, that's great. The angels rejoice. That's great. But who sowed the seeds? Right? We just, we just, we're working together in this thing, see? Nobody can claim nothing because nobody can be drawn to Jesus unless the Father draws them. So we got we to get this pride stuff out of here. Yes, we want to win souls. Yes, we want to win a million souls to the Lord. Yes, but it's still somebody sold and we are reaping some, somewhere where we didn't even sow. And it says here, 
from that sinner, said many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Do you know your testimony can, can bring people to the Lord? Just your testimony. You know, um, uh, man, I'm going to tell you what, what happened to me. Tell them your testimony. You don't have to be able to be eloquent and all that. Just tell them your testimony. All she said is that, hey, there's a man that told me everything that I, that I ever did. Could he be the Christ? That's all she said. Then it says here, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word and they were saying to the woman it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world i said wow wow you know initially it might be just your testimony that might bring somebody to the threshold right to christ here and then christ they hear the word of God, and they say, oh, my goodness, grace. yes, you had a great testimony, but now we see it. We know this is the word of God, so we're going to believe what the word says because it's important to believe something that's forever settled in heaven, and the word is forever settled in heaven, isn't it? The moral of the story is that God wants us to do what? Go out, and he wants us to break down barriers. Don't just limit yourself to those people who look like you, those people who sound like you, those people who uh, wear the same type of clothes you wear, who might live in the same type of neighborhood you live in. Don't limit yourself because Jesus didn't limit himself. You just listen to the, to the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit and go where he says go and say what he says go, say, says what he says say. And, and I, I believe we're all going to be okay. But we can't be... We can't be fearful because he said in Matthew uh, 28, he says, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Didn't he? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have taught you. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And, and, lo, I will be with you always. That's what he said. So let's do that. Let's do that. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.